1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
0: Boy, another nice day on the way around the state of Wisconsin. 77 are expected high under partly sunny skies. How are you doing, everybody? It's five minutes after 5 o'clock on this, the 16th day of September. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke, and I'm along with you until 6 o'clock. Lots of different uh, items coming your way before 6 o'clock. We're talking with the Secretary of Wisconsin's Economic Development Corporation. Today, they are having what they call Conversation with. With commissioners. The governor has put together a blue ribbon task force, basically looking at rural prosperity, and they want to have a conversation with you this afternoon. Missy Hughes is going to join us with the details on that before six. Josh Scramlin's along with us on a Wednesday morning to bring us more details on what's happening with the Wisconsin Agriculture Youth Council. That's another new entity that's been created to get young people more engaged in the process of where their career could take them in agriculture. And it's not all about cows, plows, and sows. Josh brings us an update on that with Wisconsin Ag Secretary-Designee Randy Romanski after 5.30. Like I said, weather-wise, looks like another nice day on the way today. Dry, 77 are expected high, sunshine tomorrow and 64. Some clouds back in the forecast on Friday and 61, and a few more clouds on Saturday, 62, but right now, no measurable rain in the forecast. We'll talk about that with Stu Muck in about 10 minutes.
1: Joe Biden. To
0: fix the economy, we have to get control over the virus. I'm releasing
2: a plan to save lives in the months ahead. We need increased federal support for testing, doubling the number of drive-through testing sites. We absolutely need a clear message from the very top of our federal government that everyone needs to wear a mask in public. Every single frontline worker should have the personal protective equipment that they need to be safe. We need to support schools and childcare programs so parents, if and when they can return to work, are confident that their children will be safe and cared for. And finally, we need to protect the populations most at risk, our seniors, vulnerable populations with pre-existing conditions. We need real plans, real guidelines, with uniform nationwide standards a simple proposition, folks. We're all in this together. we got to fight this together. We'll emerge from this stronger because we did it together. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message.
3: Paid for by Biden for president.
4: Good news earlier this week for the biofuel and ethanol industry when uh, those refinery waivers were rejected by the EPA under orders of President Trump. And, of course, the focus is on places like Iowa, but Wisconsin, very much involved in the biofuels industry. And uh, Josh, you've got an update on how that looks going forward.
5: Yeah, Bob, Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And it's been really interesting to see this entire situation play out because it has moved at a very glacial pace until, as you said, just earlier this week. So uh, about a week ago, I spoke with Chris Bliley, the VP of Regulatory Affairs with Growth Energy. They're really the big advocates for biofuels here in the United States. And we talked about Wisconsin specifically, because there's a big trickle-down effect for Wisconsin farmers and rural communities is thousands of them, thousands of Wisconsin families rely on the biofuels industry. So people aren't traveling, uh, school's back in session, and everybody's at home for the most part. People just aren't using fuel like they used to. And as you said, the most Contentious thing was the Trump administration's prolonged decision on whether or not to deny these gap year waiver exemptions to some of the larger refineries. So I spoke with Chris. Uh, we, we got to the small gap refineries uh, in a second, but I asked just how much is the biofuels industry on the ropes?
6: Well, it's been a brutal year. Uh, with COVID 19 at the low points in April, we saw production and demand off 50% uh, with stay at home orders. And people working from home, you just didn't see traffic. And, and with a, a transportation fuel like ethanol, uh, it, we fell alongside with gasoline and, and all the other transportation fuels out there. And so that has an impact not only on our biofuel producers, producers in Wisconsin, producers around the country, but that also has a rippling impact on farmers as well as rural communities as well. Uh, since that time, we've started to come back, uh, but you know we're still not back to 100% um, and probably won't be even into next year with there's still people working from home. We just don't have the traffic that we're, we've normally had. And because this is a global pandemic, the the impact has not only been here in the United States but on our export side as well.
5: The numbers that I'm looking at here, the biofuels industry in Wisconsin supports 29,000 families just in this state alone. But I'm curious if you could give me some national figures just so we can see how big this industry truly is.
6: Sure. So we produce about in a normal year about 16 billion gallons of renewable fuel and nearly 40 million tons of distiller's grains that goes for animal feed. And so that's 200 plants across the country. Uh, in Wisconsin, there are non plants that produce about 600 million gallons a year. And as a nation, uh, virtually every gallon of gasoline that we use today has 10% ethanol. Uh, and so you know, we generally consume about 14.5 billion, 14.4, 14.5 billion gallons here in the U.S., and then we export another billion and a half gallons. Um, and so that, you know, with with that type of production of biofuels, we're using billions of bushels of corn, uh, and so this offers a real market for our nation's farmers, uh, and so they have a, another market for their their corn and grain, and then it produces a, a lot of a number of jobs in these rural communities. You talked about Wisconsin families, but traditionally, biofuels plants are in smaller communities. Uh, they've got you know maybe. 20 to to 40 jobs, depending on the size of the plant. And then they support, you know, 100, potentially 100 farmers around the area, just depending on the size of the plant and how much grain they use. So it has a rippling impact, not only direct jobs, but indirect jobs, as I said, in a lot of these rural communities.
5: It's obviously not going to completely ruin the industry, but I have spoke with a few corn growers here around Wisconsin, and they have expressed concern regarding the ethanol demand because it is down big time. So, what does corn demand look like when it comes to ethanol?
6: Yeah, it's I, I, it, as I said, with the impact of COVID and the impact on driving, we're, our our producers aren't making as much ethanol, and they're not, you know, getting as much corn for their for their fuel use. Um, I don't think we've seen dramatic impact on the corn crop, um, but you know, it is cert- certainly something of concern. I mean, anytime we're we're looking to boost demand for biofuels and certainly boost demand for corn right alongside with it. Um, and one of the things we've been working on actually is E15, a higher biofuel blend that's now available at more than 2,200 locations across the country. But if we were able to you know, make E15 the nationwide fuel, that would be an additional 7 billion gallons of renewable fuel and another 2.5 billion bushels of corn that could be used from our nation's farmers.
5: The big discussion in biofuels seems to be the controversy swirling around these small refinery waivers. So I read about these every single day and I kind of know what they are, but how exactly would you explain them? Because it seems like it changes by the minute.
6: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And so these small refinery exemptions over a three-year period have impacted our industry more than four billion gallons uh, of biofuels demand. We call them the, these gap year filings because they're simply an end run around a recent court decision that limited EPA's misuse of these refinery exemptions. And so what we're doing is we're strongly urging that EPA dismiss these gap year filings out of hand. I mean, how can you go back nearly a decade and say, well, a, refiner, a refinery was improportionately harmed, disproportionately harmed you know, nine years ago? Um, and want that to be remedied. And so, as I said, there's been a recent court decision that narrows these exemptions, narrows EPA's misuse of these exemptions. And so there might be a couple who qualify, but certainly not to the tune of taking billions of gallons of demand out of the biofuel sector. And and as I said earlier, the impact on corn and, and on farmers as well.
5: I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the administrator of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler, has been in Wisconsin a couple of times in the last few months. One time in West Bend, the other time in Kewanee, and especially the second time in Kewanee. It seems like he had a really difficult time answering questions from the press regarding why they're handling the refinery waiver situation the way they are. So why is it so difficult to pinpoint why the EPA is handling the situation in the manner they are?
6: Well, so much of it is, frankly is is clouded in secrecy. Uh the only way we've been able to find out some of these refineries who sought exemptions is some good work by the press, to be honest with you. Um and, and unfortunately, we've been able to find that the ones that we've heard about through the press some of these exemptions have been given to the, you know, some of the world's largest oil companies. Um Chevron, Exxon, And so, how does a company like that get a waiver from what are renewable fuel obligations? It just makes no sense to us. And so, now you have, as I said, nearly 100 of these applications pending before EPA and all we know are the numbers. Uh, We don't know how many gallons they're seeking to be exempt. We don't know the specific companies. We don't know the specific circumstances, and so that's been uh, part of our argument as well. Is that shows some, put some sunshine on this. If if you're going to claim disproportionate economic hardship and you're going to remove gallons, you know, billions of gallons of biofuel demand from the law, then you need to explain who these are and and what the hardship is they are truly facing. Is it true hardship? Um, and you know, with the recent court decision that we saw. That's not been the case. And so we're hopeful to get to find out more about these exemptions and certainly hoping that the EPA finally follows suit to narrow their misuse uh, from years past.
5: It's tough to talk about Wisconsin biofuels on a state level without relating it back to a national level. So we talked about the EPA administrator, Andrew Wheeler, being here a couple of times. Vice President Pence, it seems like he's here every other week. And then President Trump has been to Wisconsin a few times as well. So Wisconsin is the battleground of battlegrounds in the upcoming election. Is it possible for the biofuels industry to kind of leverage that and use that as a way to have their voices heard?
6: That's exactly right. I think anytime you have a chance to see people on the campaign trail, or alternatively, you have a chance to have an audience with the EPA, I think it's imperative that they weigh in with some of these important issues. And, and refinery exemptions and the impact on biofuels are certainly chief among them. Um, you know, as I said, there are nine plants in Wisconsin, nearly 600 million gallons. 6,500 jobs and more than $2 billion in, in economic output in the state. So real meaningful consequences in Wisconsin for Wisconsin biofuel producers as well as for Wisconsin's farmers.
5: Chris Bliley is the Senior VP of Regulatory Affairs for Growth Energy. They are America's ethanol supporters. The ethanol industry, the biofuels industry finding itself on the ropes right now as you heard due to decreased demand and due to the pandemic that demand just really has not been there. Production is down 10% compared to last year and like so many other industries unless aid packages are put together who knows what the future looks like. More details can be found at midwestfarmreport.com and for the
1: midwest farm report i'm josh scramlin this is the midwest farm report with pam young
0: say have you heard of the wisconsin farm bureau federation yes it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong by joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com.
1: A voice for farmers. A for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance. At Wiffle's Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, Wiffle's Hybrids. Quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy.
7: As a business owner, you rely on a lot of people to keep things up and running. Hey, you're not the only one who'd like to kick your IT provider to the curb. Compel Consulting has become the most trusted source of computer services. Pain free. Compel works to eliminate the hassles and headaches that technology can bring, helping business owners increase productivity and make more money. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit compelnetworks.com. Compel Consulting. Professional IT solutions. Just like having family in the IT biz
1: your tractors sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: 5.20 now on a Wednesday morning and time to find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype and I'll tell you what, it was a glorious day yesterday. I mean, I was uh, walking around outside uh, playing with the Sheltie Pups and I thought to myself, you know, the bugs, they're still out there but they're not as bad as they were in spring. The humidity was down compared to what it was on Monday. Uh, So, you know, all in all, gorgeous day. Can we tie a knot and hang on to that for a little while?
4: Well, let's give it a shot because it is very, very nice out here, but we're going to watch a cool front drop through the state. It's in the northwest and the west to north central part of the state, if you will, kind of lined up northeast to southwest. It'll drop southeast through the state during the day. No rain, nothing out there going to develop around that front. How we know it when that front passes, you'll note that suddenly winds will become northwesterly and that's going to mean a little cooler air starting to build in, not affecting temps a great deal today. Another beautiful day, maybe a couple of degrees cooler than yesterday. That's about all. And otherwise, then it sounds very nice, but we will cool off more noticeably for Thursday, Friday, probably the cool day of the week. And then we'll start to turn it around into the weekend. Nothing too quickly, though. We do hold on to generally cooler than normal conditions. Frost and freezing, not quite an issue here. Further north, absolutely. I'd expect nighttime lows ought to remain at least in the 40s or maybe one night in the upper 30s. That should be about the worst. But it will be cooler north. Northern Wisconsin, talking about frost and freezing and the like. Not quite our situation, but we are going to cool off here for the end of the week and stay dry. I know you're waiting for that. Dry weather continues, not just as we head toward the weekend, but right on into next week. Several more days. The corn in my neighborhood went down like crazy yesterday. I'm sure it's that way everywhere. I'll have forecast details right after this. we
1: Keeping Wisconsin.
0: Being a member owner pays at Compure Financial. As a farm credit cooperative, Compure's member owners share in the profits, and this year, member owners will receive $177 million back in patronage. Talk with your local Compure team to learn how the patronage program helps member owners reinvest in their operations and local communities. Learn more at compure.com backslash patronage.
7: Compure Financial, ACA, is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position.
0: Alrighty, Stu, let's talk about our forecast. And don't be afraid to let us know if Hurricane Sally coming on to land now is going to be a part of our uh, imminent future.
4: Well, fortunately enough, not having uh, anything but a very minute Part of our forecast, most of the activity stays well south. We'll have that western America smoke around again today, but we'll still have mostly sunny skies. And I expect mid to upper 70s, 76, maybe a 78 here and there. Southwest winds 5 to 15 become northwest by midday in the west and later this afternoon elsewhere. Overnight, partly cloudy, down to about 50, maybe a few upper 40s. North winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny, cooler Thursday mid to low 60s with the north winds at 5 to 10 mostly sunny a little cooler yet friday low 60s with east winds about five still some sunshine heading back toward the mid and upper 60s through the weekend pam dry back to lower even mid 70s on into next week this just sounds like a spell to get a lot done outdoors and enjoy it
0: so long as we can avoid those overnight lows that get us in trouble but yeah you're right daytime looks beautiful
4: Yep, make tracks.
0: Yeah, all right, man. See you later. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, bye now. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. Let's take a look at current conditions across the state of Wisconsin. La Crosse, you're starting off with clear skies this morning, currently sitting 64 degrees. Mauston, you are clear and 63. Fond du Lac, clear and 63. Beaver Dam, clear and 61. At the airport in Madison, currently clear skies and 63 degrees. Trying to uh, find out what's happening with the final round of the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. Josh Scramlin's got an update with the Wisconsin Ag Secretary designee Randy Romansky after 5 30.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
6: All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together.
8: It feels good to be out there to assist our community.
2: I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there.
6: Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station.
9: Compere Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation. And our support continues today as our clients work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. Compere is proud to continue our strong commitment to our clients, the rural communities where they live, and to agriculture. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help meet the financial needs of rural America. And our experienced financial team is just a phone call or email away, ready to guide you every step of the way. To learn more about our offerings, like long-term fixed rates that can help mitigate risk and improve cash flow, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compure.com today. And we'll navigate through this together. Compure Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Loan subject to approval guidelines. Not all borrowers will qualify. Restrictions may apply. This is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.
1: At Wiffle's Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, with those hybrids. Quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy.
0: This is time that matters. A window of time to help protect
10: the ones you love. Your preteen benefits from staying up to date with their well visits. This is your window of protection. Schedule their well visit now. Brought to you by Merck.
11: My friend Carly, my friend Anu, the cab driver, the hostess, our waiter, the bouncer, the bartender, random guy, cute guy, and I don't know, maybe 30 strangers? That's a lot of people for a night out, so I'm staying home instead, just for now. I do it for future house parties and tailgating and a better 2021. But it helps everyone in Wisconsin. Find out how to protect what matters to you at dhs.wisconsin.gov slash COVID-19.
10: Attorney John Rihala with Clifford & Reihala.
2: When you ride a motorcycle, you can face serious risks from cars around you. It's a fact. Some car drivers don't watch for motorcycles and they don't see you. Even if they do, some cars don't give bikes the space they need to drive safely. A collision between a motorcycle and a car can be devastating. If this happens to you, we can help. At Clifford & Rihala. We know that motorcycle riders can suffer life-changing injuries in a crash, and we can help you recover the compensation you deserve. If you or someone you care for has been in a motorcycle crash, call Clifford & Rihala for a free consultation. We'll fight to help you receive your maximum recovery.
10: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford & Rihala, hard-working, skilled attorneys fighting for you. Justice, MyJustice.com Neon, day glow, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive, snow-capped mountains. Or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea. Or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges.
0: Jewelry is always the perfect gift for that special someone. You want to go to Goodman's Jewelers where they have the experience and patience to work with you to find that perfect diamond. Pendant necklace, diamond earrings, engagement ring. It'll be a one-of-a-kind and all yours at Goodman's Jewelers. A couple blocks from the Capitol on State Street.
8: I saw this yesterday and I would say I would give an applause As uh, the Oscar nominees, you could put her up for an Oscar. Becky Blank, Chancellor for the University of Wisconsin. Let's give a round of applause for an Oscar-worthy performance, Rowdy.
7: Ooh, that was actually in sync. We stopped at the same time. It was almost a slow clap. Nice.
8: Uh, So uh, this breaks from uh, Sports Illustrated. It was Ross Dellinger who uh, got a hold of these transcripts. There was a video as well, so you could. uh, He just he just made it more public. I would say Uh, one of the nation's most respected universities' presidents plans to tell congressional lawmakers today that college programs do not sponsor athletics with the purpose of generating revenue. Quote from Wisconsin Chancellor's Rebecca Blank. Quote, the business model for college, a- uh, sorry, let me try that again. The business model for college athletics is greatly misunderstood by the public. We're not running sports to, primar- to primarily make money. Let me repeat that again. Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank said yesterday in a written testimony, quote, we're not running sports to primarily make money.
7: My retort would be then. What are you? What are you doing then?
8: Then how come that? Why do I gotta pay? You know, a lot of money for a ticket. Go in and buy a ten dollar hot dog. You know, like a five dollar soda. Maybe like a ten dollar plate of nachos. And uh, sit down and watch you make. You know, money off of these unpaid kids. Why is it then that when football was canceled, the university sent out a thing saying we're gonna lose one hundred million dollars. What's Rowdy, when you hear the chancellor say, we're not running sports to make money, to primarily make money, what is the purpose? It just boggles the mind. That's why we gave her a round of applause for the Oscar worthy performance.
7: Well done. What pops into my mind? It's one word. Liar.
8: (laughs) Yes. Um, what? You're not. Um. Can someone explain this to me? I don't. I don't get it. C- can you explain it to me, Rowdy? Can anyone explain this to me? Can anyone explain? Can Rebecca? If it wasn't can, can about, you Rebecca Blank call in and explain it to me. If it
7: wasn't about bringing in the revenue from football and making money, Ebo, why do they pay successful college football coaches a bunch of money?
8: Why is it that almost every state employee? In just about every state, the highest paid state employee goes to the college football head coach. If you paid someone that amount of money to do a job, wouldn't you think they'd be generating, I don't know, a lot of revenue to justify that salary?
7: Well, look at look at what uh, Nick Saban did to revitalize that Alabama program. Obviously, Alabama's the face of college football with Clemson right now, right? Yeah. Nick Saban is one of the faces of college football when it comes to coaching. Look at how much money they pay him a year, because they bring in that more much of more money. Money, money because of him. Because the Bama football program is head and bounds, head and shoulders better than where it was before he took over.
8: And okay, so let me let me ask this question too. She says we're not running sports to primarily make money. All right, so Wisconsin welcomed in uh, all the kids back on campus, correct? Yep. They paid their tuition to do that, correct? Yep. And then about two weeks later, they told the kids, go home or you're quarantined. We're all going virtual online, right? Well, the kids still have to pay their tuition, correct? They do. In fact, I see now a petition starting down from students and parents to have them have funds come back because they're not allowed to use you know, certain facilities. So they want some of their money back. But Wisconsin still got their money, their tuition. So they shut, they shut down school, right? They shut down the kids from going to classes, right?
7: Yeah, they're they're locked.
8: So if sports is not they quarantined quite, them,
7: right? They yeah, locked them down, yeah,
8: and and said and send them home too to go, you know, or the, that's the uh, that's the vibe, right? Like we're gonna send you home to go all virtual. So they sent all the kids home or do virtual online. They still made money off their tuition, even though they can't use essentially all the stuff they paid for. And now with no kids on the campus, or probably going to happen, isn't the Big Ten, which Wisconsin's included on, voting? To bring back football? Therefore, to bring back the players? Therefore, to, I don't know, have football on TV so they can make money?
1: If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
0: 5.35 now on a Wednesday morning. Looks like we'll see partly sunny skies today, 77. Tomorrow, 64. Friday, 61. The good news, looks like we're going to stay dry all three days. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Anchor news Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. So, a 16th day of September. On this day in 1908, General Motors Corporation was founded in Flint, Michigan, by William C. Durant and Charles Stewart Mott. We know it today as GM. On this day in 1920, a bomb exploded on Wall Street in New York City. Killed 38 people at the time, and it was considered the deadliest act on American soil during that time period. On this day in 1978, an earthquake measuring 7.7 on the Richter scale hit Tabas Iran, killed more than 11,000 people. And happy birthday to actor-comedian Amy Poehler, 49 years young today, and now you know. Well, I want you to know that we're keeping an eye on the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. It's concluded now. Josh Scramlin joins us with an update.
5: It's been a couple of weeks since the application period for the second round of applications for the Wisconsin Farm Support Program closed. And since the dust had settled, it's time to figure out exactly how that went and when those farmers that did apply for that money are going to be getting their checks in the mail. For the Midwest Farm Report, my name is Josh Scramlin. And if you recall, this all started because Governor Evers took $50 million dollars that the state received from the federal government and directed it to be used for just farmers. So after the first round, about 41 million dollars was distributed. So that left just about nine million dollars left. So they reopened the application period. And right now I'm speaking with DACAP Secretary-designee Randy Romansky. And do we know the final number of farms that applied and then even more so got approved? And if we don't have that final number, are we getting closer to getting that?
3: That's getting closer. So uh, there are four thousand six hundred seventy-two applications that have come in. The Department of Revenue is finalizing the review, uh, and they they will continue to do that. Uh, I, I'm so far they've informed us that there are there are more than three thousand approved applications already, uh, and and again they need to to finish their reviews. But um, we uh, one of the things we saw is we looking back at the the applicants um there was a really big there's a big dispersion from uh the, of the number of uh farmers that applied in the income level so clearly there was interest um and uh, a need for having a second round so people could could apply for the funding
5: okay so let's digest that so four thousand six hundred and seventy two farms applied for the second round of the farm support program. And we know at least over 3,000 of them have been approved for the money, but we don't have a final number on the number of approved farms yet. But what you're saying is that once the income requirements were dropped from a minimum farm income of $35,000 to $10,000, you saw a whole bunch of people in that tier apply for the money.
3: Yeah, that that was a strong uh, element of the second round. Uh, so, of the of the approved applications thus far, about forty percent are in that uh, thirty thousand dollars in gross income and below. Uh, so, there's clearly uh, a group of uh, farms that were affected by COVID nineteen that were not uh, were that were able to get into the second round of applications because we were able to adjust the application um, uh, criteria just a little bit. But one of the things I would say to Josh is that reopening it and allowing uh, the rest of the field, uh, uh, the rest of the approved income range uh, to participate, uh, we we got a, a big dispersion of, of who, is, uh, who applied. So we got applicants uh, from the $10,000 in gross income all the way up to $4,999,999. So uh, there, we got it from across the spectrum. Clearly, mm-hmm lot of interest in that in that lower income range
5: so okay and then the question on everybody's mind it all comes down to dollars and cents and when we're going to see that money in our accounts when can farmers that have been approved expect to see that check in the mail or that direct deposit hit their account
3: uh as of right now uh department of revenue is saying that they were hoping to uh get checks uh out to people uh mid september so uh, I think we'll probably have more information on that next week, Josh. But uh, hopefully uh, soon.
5: Okay, so hopefully very soon. But you, you know, I got to ask. That's the question on everybody's mind.
3: And it's and it's it, it's something where uh, the Department of Revenue has really done an excellent job when they've when they've given us timelines for when they expect to complete things. Uh, they've been right on top of it.
5: For the sake of our farmers, I hope that the Department of Revenue keeps batting a thousand with their estimated timelines. And uh, Secretary Designee Randy Romansky of DACAP, I appreciate you talking with me. That is an update on the second round of payments through the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. So there was $50 million initially. That first round, we saw $41 million be distributed to Wisconsin farmers. And then through the second round of applications, which just ended about two weeks ago, we are seeing that final $9 million be distributed to farmers, hopefully In the coming days, that money's doled out. 4,672 farmers applied for it. We know at least, at the absolute minimum, 3,000 farmers have been approved to receive that money. And we'll keep you updated as soon as we hear anything else on the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. You can get more at MidwestFarmReport.com. And as always, for the
2: Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. Joe Biden. To fix the economy, we have to get control over the virus. I'm releasing a plan to save lives in the months ahead. We need to increase federal support for testing, doubling the number of drive-through testing sites. We absolutely need a clear message from the very top of our federal government that everyone needs to wear a mask in public. Every single frontline worker should have the personal protective equipment that they need to be safe. We need to support schools and child care programs so parents, if and when they can return to work, are confident that their children will be safe and cared for. And finally, we need to protect the populations most at risk, our seniors, vulnerable populations with pre-existing conditions. We need real plans, real guidelines with uniform nationwide standards. It's a simple proposition, folks. We're all in this together. we got to fight this together. We'll emerge from this stronger because we did it together. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve
3: this message. Paid for by Biden for president.
0: Markets are mixed overnight this morning. December corn's currently down two and a quarter cents at 363. November beans are up to at 993. July wheat currently three cents lower at 549 a bushel. No change on barrel or block cheese prices yesterday. Double A butter gained a penny and a half to a buck fifty a pound on forty-six trades. Right now, October milk is up a nickel at eighteen seventy to a hundredweight, rolling into a Wednesday trade session. Coming up next, today is the day for you to chime in. Rural prosperity. It took a hit with COVID-19. What can we do to turn things around? Well, your voice is welcome during a conversation with commissioners this afternoon. Talking next with Missy Hughes, secretary of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, heading up that effort. You stand by.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
11: At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces. And fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air. We're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. Join us in the fight. Visit fightingforair.org and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do at FightingForAir.org. At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces. And fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air. We're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. Join us in the fight. Visit fightingforair.org and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do guidingforair.org.
1: Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: There is a special event happening later this afternoon that could involve basically all of my audience. It's a conversation about what's happening in rural Wisconsin. As we roll towards 6 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, conversations with the commissioners. That's what they're calling it. It's basically a conversation about the challenges and opportunities that we see all across rural Wisconsin. Wisconsin. What are the realities of living in rural Wisconsin? What are the opportunities? What are the issues? A group of commissioners has been charged by the governor to put together recommendations, his Commission on Rural Prosperity, listening session this afternoon from 3 until 5 p.m. And joining us is the Secretary of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation overseeing the Blue Ribbon Commission on Rural Prosperity. That's Missy Hughes. Secretary Hughes, thanks for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about this commission and ultimately what it wants to try to walk away with from these listening sessions and the Commission on Rural Prosperity.
12: Well, one of the reasons that I took this position at the WEDC is because I do live in rural Wisconsin. I spent the last 17 years working for farmers, not only in Wisconsin, but all around the country. So I'm excited to be able to bring a rural perspective to WEDC and help us think about economic development in all of our rural communities. So with the Rural Commission on um, – sorry, the Commission on Rural Prosperity – we're able to bring a group of community leaders together from all around the state and hear their perspectives and hear how the state can work with rural communities for everyone's success.
0: Now I know that we've got those listening sessions basically ongoing with uh, an end date of October before a submit written submission is presented to the governor on maybe some solutions. When you talk with people involved in this process, even outside of the listening sessions, Missy, what are you hearing and maybe what are some of the overlooked points that people in town miss about living in rural Wisconsin?
12: Well, we've definitely been working on challenges in rural Wisconsin for a number of years, and I've been able to talk with folks who've been facing these challenges for years and years, uh, whether it's declining populations or access to resources like healthcare or education. Um, but what I'm really seeing is also a, a change in tone towards opportunity. I think with the pandemic, um, we almost have a new conversation about how important our rural areas are along with our urban areas. And so my hope is to really get rid of the divide between the two and think about how do we work as one whole state together and uh, all prosper, but, you know, especially making sure that we're thinking about our rural areas.
0: You know, I know that uh, since COVID-19 has been a come a part of all of our world's rural, Wisconsin has really been challenged particularly, not just with trying to do business, but trying to stay connected. Kids, uh, municipalities, anybody that has to do their meetings or be connected virtually. I've got to believe that rural broadband's right at the top of the list of what the Blue Ribbon panel wants discussed.
12: We can't have a conversation without broadband coming up. It is incredibly important. Um, You know, we've seen that we've gone from broadband being a nice thing to be able to watch movies to being critical to getting educated and finding a job and keeping your job. So broadband has become incredibly important, and it's really uh, a key to economic development for the rural communities because if you're not connected... To the outer world, right now, you can't survive in a rural community.
0: You know, going forward, after even all these listening sessions are con- concluded, Missy, what do you see ultimately happening with the Governor's Commission on Rural Prosperity?
12: Well, the commission's work is—they um, have one more listening session tomorrow, Wednesday, the sixteenth, um, from three to five. And I got to put a plug in—if you want to register for that, go to wedc.org. Um, but. Following the listening sessions, the commission will come back together and think about the themes that they heard about, think about the solutions that they heard, and then we'll be publishing a report to the governor on October 31st with recommendations for strategy or things he might consider um, including in his budget. And, you know, knowing this group of commissioners, they're going to want to keep talking to each other and keep working together, and I hope we're able to hold the commission together and keep talking uh through the coming months because we continue to see things changing and we
0: continue to need their input tell me a little bit about the makeup of the commission then missy for people that are engaged in this process maybe there's voices that they'll recognize in the conversation who's already a part of the commission
12: well what i'm really excited about is is how we put the commission together um because I live in a, in a rural community, I know that a lot of the conversations happen around a kitchen table. And you have a farmer and a teacher and a policeman and a doctor sitting around the table trying to solve the issues of their community. So what we've done with the commission is really identify those same community leaders. So we literally have a couple farmers. We have a mental health counselor. We have a teacher. And so it's really bringing all those different issues, but they're they're regular people. Um, You know, they don't represent big associations. They're not lobbyists. They're just out in their communities trying to do good and trying to bring their learning and their experience to the commission.
0: You know, we talk about uh, ultimately submitting suggestions and ideas for the governor's budget by October. Talk to me a little bit more about the rural prosperity effort within Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. You've got Kellyanne Blazik on as director of that particular segment. It sounds to me like uh, Economic Development Corporation is going to stay engaged in the process in a lot of different ways.
12: Well, the the governor created a parallel track. He created the Blue Ribbon Commission on Office of Rural Prosperity, and he also created in my shop the Office of Rural Prosperity. And so, what we're doing is we're learning from the commission. But the goal of the Office Prosper—gosh, of, uh, I'm having a time saying that—the Office of Rural Prosperity is to be a one-stop shop. So, a rural community has an idea for a project or needs help with something. They can come to the Office of Rural Prosperity, and we'll do the work to go to the rest of the state and the state administration to find out what resources we can bring to the table to help that community succeed.
0: Do you have any examples for us, Missy? By the way, Secretary Missy Hughes, she's in charge of Wisconsin Economic Development Corporations along with us. Do you have any examples of communities, Missy, where this project, this uh, effort is already uh, moving forward, maybe at a faster pace? I mean, every rural community is a little bit different, a little bit more or less aggressive. Are there any pockets or communities you're learning about that have already gotten jump started, so to speak? Well,
12: WEDC already works with lots of communities around the state, Um, but I'll give you an example. We were just talking about broadband. We are putting two people within the Office of Rural Prosperity to go and help the communities access the broadband grants that the Public Service Commission provides. So there's an application process. It can be a little complicated. We want to make sure that we're helping the communities to be able to go to the PSC and access those grants. So that's an example of where we're providing resources to help access other resources. And so I think that's really going to help the communities um, move through the application process and hopefully get broader better broadband in their community.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about how people can follow the process along. As you said, the listening sessions, uh, to a large extent, are concluding, but people and their input still being welcomed. What should they be doing, Missy?
12: So, if you're not able to join one of the listening sessions, you can go to WEDC.org and look for Rural Prosperity. You can submit your own comments. You can submit your thoughts, your solutions, and the commission will be considering all of those. And It's really, I I would challenge your listeners, Pam, to think about what are those moments where I've been in a community and things have gone well? Because we're looking for those solutions. We're looking for the secret sauce of Wisconsin communities that will help, that maybe we can replicate in other communities. And we can find those ways that communities have come together and been successful.
0: That's Missy Hughes, secretary of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, overseeing efforts for the Governor's Commission on Rural Prosperity. And again, as she said, if you want to follow along in the conversations and be kept up to date on that final report that they'll be submitting in October, find details on their website, wedc.org, wedc.org. Make sure and try to get registered for that Conversations with the Commissioners right away this morning. Again, wedc.org or follow up on our website for the link, midwestfarmreport.com. Tomorrow, we'll catch up with our friends from Rice Dairy, LLC.